Hey, and welcome back to another episode of the Millennial Crisis Podcast. I'm so excited for you to listen to my chat. Today's guest is an absolute legend. But before we jump into that, I just wanted to say that if you love these conversations and if you want to get involved more, you should join our virtual Millennial Conversations events. It's where we dive deeper into discussion on a lot of the topics we cover in the podcast episodes. So if you're interested in that, all the information is in the show notes below. But this week, I chat with Nick Kelly, who is the founder of Project U, radio personality, artist manager, and host of multiple shows. He loves all things music and really showcasing and uncovering the upcoming artists. He's interviewed people like Bad Baby, Troy Sivan, Rufus and Alessia Cara and worked on some of the biggest shows in Australian radio, including Today FM in Sydney. Nick is the ultimate millennial slashy and finds it really difficult to describe what he does just like many of us do. His story is awesome. We touch on some really incredible topics. So let's jump straight into episode 37, why achieving balance is the ultimate goal. Nick, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm honestly so stoked to have you on today. Thank you for having me, Demi. I really like your energy. And when you ask me if I'd be interested, I'm based on these kind of energy principles this year 2020 was my year of connecting to to other good energies and yeah you've got great energy so I'm more than happy to be here I'm honored what a bloody compliment thank you so much (laughs) honestly I've I've been following you I would say it's probably been a year and a half nearly two years and we we chatted before the interview and I mentioned that I don't follow you for the music and the artists and all the incredible work you do. And we'll get into that later. I follow you because, and it it might've been your energy or the stuff that you put out. And I was like, there is something about this guy that he's doing some really cool things. And I feel like it's really going to be huge, you know? And I was like, I I need to follow him. I need to watch this journey grow. And um, yeah, so I'm excited to get into it all. Wow. First of all, thank you. Second of all, I, when you said that to me on the phone, when we were doing this sort of pre-call where you work out whether I'm the worst person in the world or not (laughs) and (laughs) make your final decision. um, Yeah. you, you, You reflected on that. And I've then reflected on that over the last 48 hours and I've gone, oh, maybe, maybe people actually like me as well. And maybe it's just that deep insecurity that comes with being a creative that stopped me from thinking that people care about me and thinking that all my content has to involve other people and, you know, be, be, be a storyteller for other people and with other people. Whereas I've got some shit to say. I've got some stuff to say. So yeah, thank you. That's, that's really kind. Yeah. And, and I'm excited to, to hear your story and for you to tell yours, um, hopefully a little bit through this, through this interview. Now I start off every podcast with the worst, most boring questions ever, but I started it from the start and I want to continue it throughout the end. So it's very AA style in what is your name, age, and what do you do for work? I find this a difficult question. You'll, you'll be pleased <laughs> to know. So my name is Nick Kelly. I'm 25 years old. That feels weird to say. It still feels way older than I am. And I 
change the description of what I do roughly once a month at the moment. But I am first and foremost a music communicator is what I would umbrella everything as. So I see my role at the moment in all the things I do, the way that I umbrella the work that I do across media and music is being connecting music to other people and connecting the stories of artists and connecting the stories of songs to other folks and to the fans that are out there looking for things to connect to. The way I do that, the way that manifests is through radio broadcasting, podcasting. I host two podcasts, one called Pop Corner, which is a new music one, one called Flop Stars, which looks back at old um, you know, albums that didn't do too well on the charts, but have won success in our hearts. And I'm an artist manager for a bunch of really incredible emerging Australian acts. I'm a content maker. I make little videos and stuff every now and then. Presenter for what would, would have been events. It's now Zoom calls. I'm a, <laughs> a Zoom call MC. And yeah, that's kind of how I describe it. Music broadcaster and music communicator and artist manager. I'm so glad that you found that question difficult to answer in the job description part because it, it, it's something I really relate to and I'm sure a lot of the listeners relate to. It's that, and, and I think it's awesome that despite you having such a clear passion, which seems to be music and audio in some kind of form, that those lines are still blurred and it's still unclear on what you do. And I think that's so relevant to the age we're living in, that because we can be so many things, there's no real job title that covers yeah. that, is there? It's the ultimate slashy, really. Yeah. I remember Flex Mommy. You're across yeah. Flex Mommy, incredible. Um, again, so I, I can't describe what she does, but she's a, <laughs> and she's a, a great human to follow on the internet. But she described herself as the ultimate millennial slashy once because she does literally everything. She's a presenter. She's a DJ. She's an influencer. She's a a professional opinion haver is what she calls herself now, whether that be through podcasting or through her socials or whatever. You're right. It is a very 2020 experience. What do you describe yourself as these days? Great question. <laughs> I, I came across the term besides slashy um, multi-hyphenate, which I don't know if you've heard of Emma Gannon. I think she coined the term, but she wrote a whole book about it. And I was like, oh my God, that's such a great thing. But I put myself now a conversationalist slash connector, because I think they're the two things that I think are the most powerful and also that they are the things that I love the most, which is really weird to say, but it's something that I've recently come around to being like, no, no, that's what this podcast is about. Not knowing what you want and maybe taking an unconventional title or path or strengths and saying that they're your passions. And it's weird to say sometimes, but. Absolutely. When you, when you use those words to describe what you do. So for you, conversationalist and communicator for myself, music broadcaster, music connector, that almost becomes like the filter for the work that you choose to take on and choose to not take on and the way that you prioritize your time. And so I found that really effective kind of using terminology to describe myself and then that being a a really good filter for my priorities. So I'm not going to sit and, you know, regurgitate press releases onto my blog all day. That's not Mm -hmm. what I do, but I am going to spend time sifting through Triple J Unearthed and finding the next great act and then writing a really nice blog piece about that. And, you know, organizing an interview with them, making a video with them, 
you know, connect and connecting opportunities for the artists that I work with that are effective for them. And yeah, just having that impact. And I think that really kind of stems back to being able to describe yourself in a really succinct way. So mm. it's, you're right, it's convoluted, but at the end of the day, it's also quite, you know, simple when you get to those words. Yeah, for sure. I couldn't agree more. And I love that. Before you try and, before you try and become the interviewer and throw the questions back too much, because I know it's when you are in that habit of telling other people, you always want to throw the things back. But it's I want to make so sure hard. to get all of the answers from you today. <laughs> okay. I'm going to do, and you know what? I, I think I, that also is like an insecurity thing. It's like for an, sure. I don't want it to all be about me kind of thing. It's like, I, I, it's a back of mind. I'm not interesting enough. So I really want to ask. And also I'm just interested. As yeah. Well. That's why I always have a habit of doing that. But okay. I'm going to tell us, I'm going to challenge myself to not host. Amazing. This. We love that. And, and um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited to see, to see how we, how much we can get out of you or how long we can go for until you throw it back. I've started asking a new, a new kind of question in the beginning, just to kind of understand a little bit of people's backgrounds and and where things started coming up so I know for you kind of radio and music have been really prominent in your life since since you were young and at 13 you you started hosting your first radio show right that's right but when you were in like when you were growing up what did you tell people that you wanted to do wow that's a real throwback I wanted to be on the radio I can't remember a time I didn't want to be on the radio. I have a distinct memory of mum taking me when I was like five or six to the newspaper printing plant of the local newspaper. <laughs> um, and so I think I always had a real interest in media. Uh, the music thing came a bit later, to be honest. And I think it was sort of like a byproduct of, of starting in media and starting in radio. So I remember when I was probably 11 or 12, I would listen to the local radio station, which was called CFM at the time. It's now called Hit 101.3. And I'd listen to The Breakfast Show and I'd listen to The Workday and I would recreate what I heard and pretend that I was the host um, on my little laptop. My, it wasn't even my laptop, it was mum's laptop um, that I'd get for like an hour a day. I'd open up the voice recorder app and just record myself over and over again. And eventually I got to... Yeah, it just kind of like spiraled from there. But I don't remember a time where I wasn't really keen on just being on the radio and making radio. And I always wanted to host the workday on CFM on the Central Coast in my hometown. And I don't know whether that was a bit of narcissism of being like wanting to be on the radio where everyone could hear me. But yeah, I can't remember a time where I didn't want to do that, which is weird. No, that's it's not weird. I think it's awesome. And it's something that I'm super envious of when people know from so young I have that direction and I think we all do I think it just depends on our surroundings and what we listen to or what we see that then doesn't allow us to pursue those whatever things that that we have the the follow-up I usually ask to that is what did you tell people you wanted to do when you began to near the end of high school and it seems like for you it would have been the same but I'm curious was there ever a time where you felt as though there wasn't like this wasn't going to be it I went to a selective high school so academically selective don't know how I got in I got (laughs) in and There was a very clear crossroads, I think around year 10, I recall, of everyone really battening down, working out what they want to do 
in year 11 and 12 to then lead into university and then lead into a career onwards. And a lot of that was, you know, doctors and, you know, really academic kind of stuff. I had no interest. I was already at 16, I was working. So year 10, I started, you know, panelling at the radio, at the commercial radio station. Um, Year 11, I was doing weekends on Today FM in Sydney. And like, I just had decided that this was going to work for me. But that in itself was challenging because Mm -hmm. for two or three years there, I had no through line with my peers. I had no way of connecting. And it actually led to some pretty, you know, severe anxiety and severe sort of, you know, um, mental health related trauma. Um, Just having no one to connect to and feeling constantly outcast and feeling constantly like I had no... um, no respect no like no yeah it was a really it was actually really shit to be honest and I think that just made me sort of batten down even harder and work even harder on the radio stuff and just put my put my hand up to be at the radio station whenever I possibly could I remember my boss having to write me I've got the opportunity to do breakfast for a month when I was in year 12 and I remember my boss writing having to write a letter to the school to let me do that and instead of doing my trial hsc exams which is weird to think about and it's like wow but like that was the thing i was never going to be this academic you know university kind of genius and i think there was like a little bit of rebelling i was trying to do as well i think i was like trying to you know prove that you don't need to follow the mold and that you don't need to do the whole go to high school, go to university, get a degree, get a good paying job, buy a house, meet your, meet your wife, have two perfect children, retire, go in a carrot. Like, I just want to do that. I want no interest in that. I want to do this and I want to do, I want to keep learning and growing until I'm dead. Like, I have no interest in ever retiring. I have an interest in finding a balance across my entire life and continuing to learn. Anyway, I've gone on a tangent, which is exactly what I knew I would do. But yeah, it, it is something that was really difficult in the later years of high school, knowing that I wanted to do something, knowing I was good at something, mm. having the opportunities pop up to do it, but not being able to relish in those opportunities with my peers was a really difficult thing to go through. That's it's so interesting because when I first, I was like, do I ask Nick that question? Do I ask him? Because I knew that you, it was, it was clear to me from our first chat and from, from seeing you that this was always something that was there. And I think you have to have that drive when you're in an industry or doing things like, like you are. But it's, it's something that I've noticed a lot. And one of the reasons why I also started the Millennial Crisis stuff was because I think once you do figure out what you want, that can sometimes be a lot more isolating than not knowing as well in some ways, especially if that is, if that doesn't have a particular shape, because then you start thinking, am I fucking crazy? Like, am I like, I don't know what this looks like, but I know this, like, this is something, you know? And, and was that what it was like? And, and for you, I guess, was it, was it this idea that you knew this was fucking it, but there was everyone around you was doing totally different things and you thought like, how? how? Yeah. And everyone thought I was a wanker as well. <laughs> everyone thought I was this pompous windbag jumping on the radio and thinking it was king shit. 
when it wasn't that I was just doing what I really loved, which was connecting to an audience. And it was a selfless thing. It was nothing mm-hmm. selfish about it. There was nothing self-serving about this. It's always for me been about connecting to the person on the other end. The radio is merely the medium and anyone that gets into radio so that they can be famous or get on the radio so that they have an audience and stuff. If you do it for that reason, you're doing it for the wrong reasons and you won't be successful. And it's been proved time and time again. Yeah. It was a really difficult thing to go through not being able to connect to anyone around me. There there was really no one around me to connect to with the mere exception of a couple of very close friends who understood it, including one close friend who's now gone into radio herself and people in the industry that understood it had gone through the same thing. My first ever boss who ended up being my boss another two times after that, a guy named Ryan Toddio, he had gone through the same thing. He left high school and got into radio very, very early at 16, 17. Um, He, you know, became the boss of a radio station at 25, 26. And he had no kind of, no one had done that before. There was no, nothing to connect to. And I think when you're blazing, I don't want to say I'm a trailblazer, but I think when you're doing something that's really not the common path and not the common way of doing things, that always shocks people and it gives you, it really outcasts you Mm. and it gives you no one to connect to and relish in the exciting opportunities that you're getting. I believe that community and conversation are two super powerful things. I guess you, you were feeling isolated in one area, but then was the radio community side, how was that for you? Because I know that sometimes those media kind of industries can be toxic, although I've heard the opposite about radio and audio versus TV. I think they're a bit different in that sense, but I don't know, how was that for you? And did you feel as though that sense of community there was enough for you to keep going? Is that what kept you going or was that inside flame that kind of got you through? It's always been the internal flame, to be honest. And I think it's interesting. Radio definitely has its fair share of toxicity. And I've definitely been in toxic environments in radio. What I kind of define toxic environments as within radio are ones where you've got folks around you that seemingly for their own self-serving reasons want to limit your ability and don't want you to be the best you can be, which I've never understood because to me, it makes more sense to allow someone to be the best version of themselves because you're going to get more work out of them. You're going to get better work out of them, more effective work. So I've definitely been in those environments, but in the early days, I was really lucky to be surrounded by a really great team um, on the central coast where I really cut my teeth and where I now live again. Um, And it's been a really conscious decision to live here because I have moved between here and the city multiple times now. And I always just find myself better here. Um, I'm an hour north of Sydney. I can get there if I need to be, but living here makes me better. And I think in those early days, yeah, say 17, 18, 19, the team that I was surrounded by on the central coast and the, the community in that building. And, you know, we would all spend time together on the weekends. We all still do spend time together, you know, seven or eight years later. Um, that's definitely what kept me going. There was a sense of purpose in that building. There was a sense of purpose in the work I was doing. There was a feeling of 
opportunity. There was a feeling of development. I really, I, you, you, you could almost feel yourself developing on a week by week basis and looking back at what you were like a month before. And then, you know, learning the principles of emotional intelligence and, you know, doing that really deep kind of leadership work as well was stuff I got to do in the early days of radio. And that was from being surrounded by a supportive team that wanted to see you thrive and vice versa. You want to see them thrive and you want each and every member of that team to be doing the best work they can do to be having fun every day. That's what makes it great. And I think it's a two way street. I think in community, you've got to be everyone else's cheerleader and they will be yours. It can't just be everyone giving you the accolades and you the love. You've got to give it to them as well and uplift the quieter members of your team. And the way that radio stations operate is really interesting because it's not like an office cubicle kind of setup. It's like you've got a couple of people in a studio. You've got an audio producer in a locked away booth somewhere. You've got a couple of people in a communal environment. You've got a lot of closed door meetings. Everyone's really sort of scattered around the building. And you've got to put the work in to make everyone feel just as included as the folks that are in the sort of main part of the building. So yeah, that kind of community spirit really helped in the first few years for my understanding of my sense of self and for my development as a professional as well. It's amazing because when we look at things like radio and you think of the big names and I think what was really interesting about what you said there is you kept getting drawn back to the central coast, which is, which is where you live now. And I know that you got some amazing opportunities to work with the big brands and do that stuff. And it's something that I talk about a lot in the podcast is this sense that we can work for these big names and people can come up to us where we get to, when we go to a party and we get to say, Oh yeah, I'm, I do this and I work for this place and people go, Oh my God, that is amazing. And the assumption is make great money, amazing environment, dream job, <laughs> all of these things. And you're thinking if only you fucking knew what this was actually like. And so I wonder when you did get to, to move into the big, the big time and what I assume would have been dream kind of roles for you. What, what was that like? And was it, was it what you thought it was going to be? No. (laughs) Short answer. You have to grow up fast. You really have to grow up fast. So my most recent sort of major move that I made and my last major move in radio before I decided to take a, a bit of a break and pull back on the radio side of things and develop these other, you know, passions of mine that are exciting professional opportunities as well was moving to Sydney in the middle of last year to work for, for Today FM, the big radio station. And it wasn't what I was expecting. In a great way, in some ways, you had a lot more... I had a lot more autonomy than I thought I would. I had a lot more opportunity to do make shit happen myself than I thought that you would have at a major radio station. I thought everything would be like, you know, really like guarded, but no, you've got to put the work in. Like you've got to do the work yourself. I am trying to work out my wording here because it's an, it's an experience I look back on. I was there for six months, pretty much exactly six months full time. And I still do some work with them from time to time. And there are great, there's a lot of great people in that team and beautiful people to work with. The real benefit of that experience was working with Ash London, who I'm sure a lot of, most people would have heard of, uh, host the night show for, for the hit network called Ash London Live. She's on Have You Been Paying Attention and stuff. Without unequivocally without doubt the greatest experience of people 
of working with a person I've ever had. And I, I look back on that experience with such fondness and such inspiration for how to just act as a human being, whether it be in a professional sense or a personal sense. There's just no room and no time anymore to be an asshole in the industry. Mm. And she is a prime example of that. And she is a prime example of just being a decent fucking person and you'll get far with that. Being decent and talented <laughs> and hardworking, all those things need to come at once. But I think decency is a huge part of that. But I was doing like three different jobs at once and not taking any time for myself and not really. I was the biggest preacher of self-care, but was I doing any of it myself? Absolutely not. And I, I wasn't looking after myself and working, you know, working in Sydney does that to you and you have to learn. And I think as well, like, you know, I was working in a team of folks that kind of, um, you know, could really clock off from the work at the end of the day. And they had those strategies to really break away from the work. Whereas I being a single person at the time, I was living alone, very hard to kind of make that distinction between the day, particularly when I had a one and a half hour commute each way as well. So the, the great thing I got out of that experience was growing up super fast and just learning how to operate in an environment like that, in a pressure cooker, in a high level, high stakes environment. That's what I took from that experience, but it was really, really hard. And I definitely feel all of my 25 years now. <laughs> it's, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because this, I think it's really admirable that you could acknowledge that as well. The assumption that if you're doing something that you love, working 24 seven is the goal, right? Like you, you want to be doing it all the time, but the reality is like, we don't work that way. No. And you had mentioned something in the beginning about you wanting to work, you know, you're not wanting to retire and you want to continue working, but you said something and it was about, I want to have a nice balance of everything. And it's something that I really started to realize in season one of the podcast, it was all about finding the career and what is that job? And it was all about that. And moving into season two, the start of the uh, season was like, Hey guys, um, look, turns out career is not everything. <laughs> we need to figure out all the other shit so that we can thrive in all areas. Yes. So how was coming to that? Because I mean, to come at, to that at, at 25 is, I think now is, is such a huge achievement because people don't come to that till they're 40, 50, 60 and never sometimes. I see it as an ongoing thing. And I think I've always had the understanding that that balance is important. It's just actually putting in the practices of making it happen that hasn't really come until now. And I still don't have it right. And I really, I'm still trying to find the balance 10 months into working for myself. I'm still trying to work out where my weekend is. I don't have one. I work, I record a podcast on Sundays and I often do, you know, some of my artists work full time, the artists that I manage. So most of the meetings and the real work and, you know, them getting time to work on demos and me getting to listen to that stuff and provide feedback and send it on. Most of that work is Saturdays and Sundays. So I've been really trying to find that balance and to really plan ahead when the work is is pumping when there's a lot of work to do. I really liked, as I said, like I love working a lot and I want to work for my whole life. I'm happy to do a 16 hour day here and there, as long as I make up for it by giving myself say a full morning off where my phone is away. My, I, I don't do it. 
I do, this is the thing. I'm saying with my phone away. My phone's in my hand the whole time. It's just I'm on TikTok instead of on email. Or I'm, you know, listening to a podcast and having a really nice long walk rather than answering my emails. I'm getting really good at turning my do not disturb mode on. That's one of my really big rules is my do not disturb comes on at eight o'clock automatically, 8 p.m. Um, so I get no notifications. I have the power to check my emails when I want to after eight o'clock. And I try and do that with, yeah, if I'm having a morning off, put everything on do not disturb, turn notifications off completely. Sometimes I'll delete my email app from my phone just to make it harder to access my emails. But in terms of like a, like setting up a self-care routine, it's definitely something I'm not nailed yet. It's something I want to continue working on. But yeah, I think it's a realization a lot of people need to have at some point that, you're not going to be able to sustain good hard work and the good hard work that gets you the gigs. And particularly when you're hustling for yourself and you would know all too well about this, Mm. when you're working for yourself and you're doing your own thing and you're hustling to get these big opportunities, you've got to put the work in, but the only way you're going to be able to put the work in is by balancing that with putting the work in to refill the tank. You can't pour from an empty cup is a, a saying that gets, thrown around a lot in mental health circles, but is just so true. Like you've really got to do some hard work refilling that cup as much as you can. 100%. And, and like you said, although we, and I'm, I'm a huge preacher of that stuff too. I say it to everyone. I'm like, you gotta like, just don't this, that, the other. And yesterday I just woke up and I was flat as ever, you know, I was like, I can't do anything. And I was like, why why everything's going so well everything's going so well and i looked back at my week and i was like well maybe because you literally did not stop all week (laughs) week and you were giving 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 doing like i have a rule of like how many calls i can have per day or how many interviews and all of that stuff because i know that that energy ends up draining me or whatever yeah and i was like oh obviously like today's for you and I did that and now today I'm like fully recharged ready to go and continue and give more to my work but it's so counterintuitive for us to take time to do nothing so that we can give more which is um yeah, yeah. it's really difficult because you you're just so on the go all the time like some mornings I will wake up and be like what the fuck do I have on today anyway? And then I'll open my calendar and I'll realize all these hastily made calendar invitations. And I'll just be like, you know what? Actually, before we started this podcast, I told you what my morning's been like. I did a cross on Ticker TV. I immediately jumped into an artist interview. I hadn't had time to brush my teeth or make a coffee yet. So I was like, Demi, I'm going to be five minutes late. need to do this. <laughs> do this for me. Because, yeah, we spend so much time just go, go, going, and we don't spend any time planning when we're going to look after our brains and when we're going to look after our bodies. Yeah. We just care about getting the work done, which definitely has its benefits. And I find, you know, I really quite, I, I get a bit of a buzz out of those days where it is nonstop because you just feel, you look back on it and you go, shit, yeah, I did a lot of good stuff today. Mm. That was fun, but you need, you need the time in between. Absolutely. And I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Cause I'm the same. Cause even when we chatted the other day, I was on a walk cause I was like, need to get this done. And of course, can't just go for a walk on my own and you were making omelets, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was Yeah. And you know what, like, what's crazy is like, I, so as an example of that, to be honest, I went to the chiropractor yesterday for the first time ever. 
never been to one before. My back and my, my whole body's been hurting for about seven years and I never bothered to go and see the chiropractor. Cause I was like, Oh, this is life. I'll live with it. So I now have to ice my, I now have to ice my back three times a day for two weeks. I have to do a number of stretches. I have to go on two separate 30 minute walks every day. And I have to go and buy a pillow to put between my legs and I have to take magnesium twice a day. How many of those things do you reckon I have done today so far? Yeah, probably none, hey. None of them. I'd be none the same, them. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's even those little things. Like even yeah. when you've got a doctor telling you to do something to make yourself better, we don't do it. And yeah. that is, that is so, that's a form of self-care. Like we need to be doing those things and taking the time for ourselves. Yeah. So yeah. important. In the beginning, we, we, said, we spoke about how I, I started following you, not necessarily for the music part, but because I just saw someone who was working really hard and I've always loved radio. So I've always followed odd people in, in the industry that are doing different things or from smaller radio communities to the bigger ones. And you, you mentioned that you didn't think that people followed you for that. I found that so interesting because you give off this confidence, you give off this, you know, real sense of self. And so I I wonder it might be a thing because I find those who want to tell other people's stories have a story to tell themselves. And that's why we boost up other people so much because often we want someone to do that for us or we need someone to kind of push us and we might not have ever had that because we are the hype person. So I wonder, would that be true for you? And what's that story? Wow. (laughs) (laughs) It's a big question. Um, yeah, I've got, I've got a lot that's happened in my life, in my career, um, in my own brain. I don't know how to answer it. <laughs> I've never been stumped on a question like this. There is, a, yeah, there's, there's lots of stories. There is a buildup of stories, I think, over my entire life that make me the person that I am. And I think, you know, and this is so cliche, but music has been so important for me. When I find a song that speaks to an experience that I have had and tells it in a really accessible way, that has always been a really important thing for me. And I think also, you know, hearing someone on breakfast radio tell a story that I can relate to really well, or someone on a podcast telling a story that I can relate to really well. The human side of music, I think, makes me feel a little bit less on my own. And I think I, I think I'm a naturally, naturally a person who likes, like I like my alone time a lot. I really savor my alone time and I like myself and I like the company that I give myself. But I think a bit of that is probably masking wanting to process the last 25 years and the, the little micro bits of trauma that have kind of built up over those years. This is deeper than the conversations I have with my psych once every six weeks. Jesus <laughs> Christ. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I, 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 I don't, I don't mean to mean to stump you like that, but the reason why I love doing these interviews is because we have all of these assumptions of people and we have all these images that we put off to other people, but everyone's got, their own shit in some way everyone's still whether they're figuring out their career themselves or what they're going to fucking eat for, for breakfast you know we're all we're all still trying to work things out and you said something there where you said that you really love your own company and I don't think 
that happens overnight, right? Has that been a real process for you? And what's it like to be at a place where you do enjoy your own company? Fucking great. (laughs) (laughs) It's awesome because, uh, you know, I, I'll go to like a cafe or something and when I say I like my own company, I like my own company if I've got some kind of stimulus in front of me. So I like my own company if I'm listening to a podcast or if I'm watching TV or whatever. I like, I like being on my own for that. Um, but like I'll go to a cafe, for example, on a Saturday morning. Usually I'll catch up with someone on a Saturday, to be honest. But sometimes on a Saturday morning, I just want to go for a walk on my own, sit down at a cafe, have a listen to a podcast I haven't had time to listen to, maybe read the paper like a 75-year-old man. And just be with myself and just gather my thoughts and maybe I'll turn the podcast off and just do some breathing for 10, 15 minutes. And that has been a long time of making that happen. I think the real tipping point for it was getting out of a relationship about two years ago and having a lot more time to myself that would normally be filled with spending time with that person and going through the deep work of breaking up and rebuilding and learning to like my own company. And I think it's a really powerful tool for people. If you can learn to like your own company, you can learn to love someone else or something else and put your passion, put, your, put, your, put the work into your passion. And I think as well, like it comes back to the work side because self-motivating is the number one thing that you need to hustle in this life that we're living. You need to be self-motivated if you're working for yourself. Otherwise you can just get up whenever you want do as little work as you want. You've got to make, you've got to make it happen. And I think being self-motivated for the last 10 months and not running out of fuel in the tank has been an exciting thing, but yeah, it's taken a lot of deep work and a lot of time. I suppose I should like actually mention that I have severe depression and anxiety and I'm medicated and I've been seeing a therapist for eight years or so. He wants to retire and I keep telling him he's not allowed (laughs) to retire. He's 70 and he wants to retire. And I'm like, no, don't do it. I, I need you. Yeah. So that's been part of the deep work as well has been, you know, doing the things that you need to do when you understand that you have a mental health condition and, you know, learning, learning lots and lots about managing mental health and managing the mental health of others. And yeah, that's been a really critical part. And I think it's a sum of its parts to, to get to a point at 25 or actually, yeah, like my own company. So if you ever see me at a cafe sitting there on my own, surrounded by tables of people in couples or, or triples. Don't talk to me. I'm happy <laughs> I love that. And, and thank you for being so, so open and honest in sharing that because I think it is, it is so important to say because there are so many of us that are struggling in one way or another. And when we don't, when we feel like we can't have those conversations, tends to make those situations worse because you feel more isolated. You feel you're the only one and, and all of that stuff ties into each other. So, and that's why I mentioned to be able to say, I like my own company and spending that time. I know that there's a huge growth there. Like you have to have done the work for that to happen. And so that's, that's huge. And that's awesome. So despite all of the career accolades, I think that's fucking phenomenal. Oh, it's a absolutely. thing that we don't get to pat ourselves on the back on too much. Do Sometimes we? when I send a biography out, if you know, cause often when you're like do an event or something, they want a biography about all the shit you've done. And it's <laughs> like, you know, he's won this award, you know, hosted this radio show, signed this act, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what about like 
all the like self-care I've done over the journey to get to the point where I actually can even jump on a Zoom call and host to a room of a hundred people or do a radio show to a hundred thousand people. Like, what about all that work? That's more important to me than any of that professional stuff. And it's so interlinked as well. Like that amount of self self understanding and self care allows you to unlock those opportunities and allows you to, to do well in those opportunities. Like I think about like, you know, when I've had opportunities to do really big radio shows, like do national nights for a couple of weeks or whatever it is on, on the radio. The only way I've been able to do a really good job of that is by just letting my guard down and being me for three hours. And the only way you can let your guard down and be you is if you like yourself and you trust yourself. And that comes from that really deep work and, understanding your own mental health and and your own challenges and how to combat them yeah it's it's so true and it and it is so interlinked because i don't think and and i'm just making assumptions here but there is no way you would be able to be working for yourself doing all the things you have been for the past 10 months if you didn't have a belief in yourself if you didn't have this kind of self if you didn't know what drives you and because working for yourself and working towards something that isn't really clear because there's no kind of pathway yeah it's the fucking hardest thing ever what's easy is getting a job you know exactly and honestly when i jumped ship at the end of last year and i really see it as jumping shit what i did i just went i'm getting off the fucking titanic and i'm just i'm just gonna jump into the sea with no plan i had a bit of a plan in my head I was like, I want to do what I've always wanted to do, which is, you know, make music and media stuff happen under my own umbrella. But I didn't know what I was actually going to do to make it happen. So I did Uber driving for a couple of months just to make ends meet. I loved it. I adored it. On the Central Coast, I knew half the people as well. So it was basically (laughs) just like a chin wag with some old mates. But what I loved about that as well was like jumping out of that, you know, corporate environment and and that pressure cooker and just catching up with people from all walks of life. And on the central coast, everyone wants to talk in the Uber. No one wants to sit there silently. So I got like a really great, like regrounding exercise of like what humans are actually like again. Um, I did that. And you know what my thought was? My thought was if I have to go and work in a cafe a few days a week, that's fucking awesome. I look forward to that. Like I just wanted to have a more human experience with life and a a more real experience rather than living in this bloody glitz and glam world of commercial media all the time. I still love commercial media and I still love doing stuff for commercial media, but Mm -hmm. living in that world and and that being a huge part of my personality just didn't sit right with me. Mm -hmm. It sits right to be a small part of it, but it doesn't sit right as a full thing. Yeah. It's, I, I think about the last 10 months and how I've managed to remain self-motivated. And I've worked for myself before when I was much younger and I, I didn't have that. You know, I moved, ho- I moved home with my parents and didn't have the motivation to get shit done every day and, and, and just ended up getting an, another full-time job. And I don't want to do that again. I don't think that's necessary. I think as well, you've got to know you're good at something and I feel really lucky to have an understanding that I'm good at what I do at a lot of the things that I do. I think I'm good at communicating. I think I'm good at conversations. I think I'm good at presenting. (laughs) So I think I'm good at content identification and knowing what's going to resonate with an audience. So I took those things and I'm like, cool, I'm just going to like 
focus in on these things I know I can nail and just like extrapolate from there and see what happens. So, but I think, yeah, if you're going to work for yourself, you've got to have like a, a slight, even if you are an insecure person or an, ang- an anxious person, you've just got to have this slight un- recognition that you're good at what you do. Mm. And that's a hard thing to come to, but when you get to it, it's really effective. It's, it's interesting. You said there's two things that, that I want to touch on from that. And the first one is, and then we'll circle back to the other. But the first one is that you said that you did work for yourself at one point and it was hard. And it, I really resonated with that because I used to work for myself when I was a lot younger and I used to like manage people's social media back when that wasn't a thing. And it was going really, really well. Like, you know, it could have had the potential to grow even bigger, but I found it the most isolating, horrible time in my life that uh, I went into corporate because I thought, well, being part of a team, obviously that's going to be less isolating and it was just as bad. Yeah. <laughs> but, but then now I quit my, my great job last year as well and, and decided to do my own thing. And I, I would, the biggest thing I was scared of was going back to that. And it was so scary because I was like, am I, have I grown enough to now be able to motivate myself. So was making that decision, the fear of going back to that place that you were at when you worked for yourself last time? All of the above. It was, it was very interesting. Like when I decided I was leaving full-time radio, it was a sort of like, I was just sort of like not feeling right. Needed a holiday. I hadn't had a holiday in like a year and a half. Uh, went up to Byron Bay on my own for a week, rode a, rode a bike everywhere. Didn't look at my phone, went for a swim constantly, um, watched heaps. It just lived the Byron life for a week. And I thought, you know what, that'll refuel me. That'll refill the cup. Came back to work on the Monday, had a meeting with my boss, went through like the plan for the week and what was coming up. And then he said, so how are you doing? And I just burst into hysterics. <laughs> He's like, yeah, he's like, how are you enjoying work? <laughs> and I just burst into tears. And no, nah, and that was the moment where I went, no, nah, I've got to get out. I've got to get out of this. And, you're, and, and that did, ha- I, I went on stress leave for three or four weeks and just really, really took stock and worked out what was happening. I knew in the bottom of my heart that I was going to leave but there were so many occasions where it was like, oh, maybe I'll just give it one more shot. And then I ended up coming back for five weeks. So I was going to do my stress leave and then just sort of make it a clean exit from there. But then I ended up coming back to fill in for four or five weeks at the end of the year. And um, that was, that was interesting. It was actually really nice in the end and it was a beautiful way to end it because I knew I had an out and I had that finite time. The pressure was gone. It wasn't like this is going to be my life forever. This is just going to be life for the next four weeks. So I enjoyed it. And, you know, I, I dicked around with my mates and <laughs> the people I liked there and I wasn't too, you know, serious. I, I was still got the work done and still put the effort into the very last second. But there were many moments across that four or five weeks where they're like, are you sure? Are you sure you're going to go? Do you not just want to stay? <laughs> Obviously front of mind goes, Oh my God. Yeah, of course I do. Like, like financial security and, you know, working in a team environment is great and blah, blah, blah. But God, now I'm like, Oh my God, if I didn't do that, I have no idea who I would be right now, where I would be. So funny you say that. Cause it's so easy to get caught back into it and 
you can often see when you step out, you go, shit, that could have been my life for another five years. Yeah. That could have been my life for another 10 years really easily. I want to make it really clear as well. It was no fault. The, the reason that I needed to do that was entirely me. Yeah. An entirely internal thing. There was nothing external that was, that was causing that. And I've made that very clear before. But yeah, there's nothing it was just a lack of creative fulfillment for me mm. um, and a, a development of my own brain, realizing what I actually love and what I actually care about. And within a week of, you know, not having that to worry about anymore, um, my mental health just went ding straight mm. back up. And my, my stress was down. My breathing was better. My, I even noticed the breathing. I was breathing more deeply and I, yeah, it just made so much sense instantly. And I just felt like so much more focus and clarity and understanding of who I was. And that's just continued for these last 10 months, touch wood, somehow. That's really nice to hear. And you're right, that's the thing with a lot of times. It could be perfect for someone else, but when you know what you want, that's you know where the kind of hard decisions and you have to block out that outside noise of that, you know, I guess, external validation and be like, nah, what's actually, what do I actually want? Which is, yeah, um, yeah it's awesome. Wait, we're getting towards the end now. And I have three questions that I ask all my guests at the end of each episode. And the first question I have for you is what was the first small step you took to get to where you are right now? First thing that comes to mind is getting mum to call up the community radio station and ask if they were doing presenters courses. And they said, yes, but not for another 11 months because they'd just done one and just had an intake of presenters. And then 11 months later, they called and said, we're ready. And then I did it. And I went in there and just knew straight away that like, yep, I'm going to make this a thing. This is like me at 13. And I remember the first shift, it was 12 till 3am on a Saturday morning on community radio in Gosford. And I then had to stay until 6am so that I could be the security guard for the person that was doing three till 6am. And <laughs> that was, and you know what? I was stoked. I was so excited. I couldn't sleep in the day before I was going to go in and do the radio. And um, that's where it started. And that's the first step I remember taking to make it a reality. Wow. What an awesome story. I love that. The next question I have for you is what is your biggest millennial crisis right now? And I define a millennial crisis as a privilege problem that consciously or subconsciously affects your mental health and well-being. I was working in a job, earning the most money I ever had earned, but couldn't get out of bed one morning. And no amount, and that was the great reminder that no amount of money or even creative fulfillment sometimes is enough if you're not like actually happy, like right in your heart. I think the biggest millennial crisis I have at the moment is I've got too many apps on my phone, I can't delete them, and I can't get through all my emails, even though I pay 40 bucks a month for a service called Superhuman that really helps but doesn't help enough for me to get through all the emails. <laughs> it's just- that's the biggest one at the moment. I'm grateful that people want to talk to me, but I can't get through all the emails. There's too many of them. And, and the final question I have for you is what is one thing you want to explore or are curious about? Oh, I know just one. Yeah. <laughs> there's so many at the moment. I think the thing that I'm really obsessed with at the moment is just content distribution. 
that was a car. I think the one thing I'm obsessed with at the moment is content distribution, the way that people are accessing content, watching content, sharing content, what matters to people from a content perspective, where it matters. Is something more effective on TikTok than it is on Facebook? Or is it more passive on TikTok to watch something rather than to lean into it on Facebook? That's my real obsession at the moment is working out content distribution. I love it's 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 cliche, but Gary V is always the model for it. And there's I, I've always tried to follow his model of just like make shit, just make shit and put it everywhere. And I really, I believe in that, but I think there's more of a science to it than that. And I think there's more of a psychology to it. Um, so consumer, consumer psychology, consumer behavior, particularly around digital content is what I want to learn more about ASAP and what I'm kind of trying to do from a practical sense all the time. I try and put different types of content up on my platforms, um, whether it be a written article, a short video, a long form, just to see what gets the most retention, what people actually care about and what matters to people. So yeah, that's my thing at the moment. That's really cool. And Gary V makes his way into every one of my podcasts, his bloody name. I wish it wasn't. Because he's everywhere, but. It's just good because it's just a fucking breath of fresh air. I can't yeah. stand these like, like, bodybuilder looking dudes that want to stand there and tell you how to hustle no go away don't talk to me with these like jargony words gary's real practical actually can give you like genuine like like he'll give you the framework to make things happen Mm. um and that's that's a really powerful thing knowledge is power and i think he shares a lot of knowledge rather than a lot of sort of ideas you know bigger picture ideas he just shares his knowledge and he shares the the stuff so yeah it's it's weird i i always get kind of laughed at when i talk about gary and how much he inspires me but fuck he just gets it just gets it yeah yeah um for sure i couldn't agree more so what's next for for nick kelly and and project you I just put my hands up in the air and went, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I look, I I'm really obsessed with this work I'm doing as an artist manager and that's going to be really long-term fulfilling work on a daily basis of just gradually growing these really talented people. So I really want to continue working in that area. I used to run a record label. Um, I've been around the music industry for six, seven years um, adjacent to radio and I, I love the way the music industry operates. It's a really fascinating industry and it's, it can be very fast sometimes, but also very slow sometimes. And I, I like hacking that. I like hacking that little algorithm of what they care about and, you know, allowing for my artists to have opportunities. So I really want to continue to develop my skills as an artist manager. I joined um, a great group called the Art Association of Artist Managers, and it's a great supportive kind of environment to upskill and to connect with other people in the, in the same boat. From a content perspective, I just want to keep growing at scale and hopefully there is a market for people who care about new music that want to learn more about the artists that make it, that want to learn more about the stories behind the music. And that's the audience I'm trying to find at the moment for myself in the same breath, find that audience for my artists and the people that I, that I care about um, in the music industry. I think, yeah, it all comes around to music for me now. I think I'm really through the days of, caring too much about the media side of it and caring about radio as a major part of my life. I think I'm really, I've stepped through that. Um, I think if, I've, if I were to ever do a major 
you know, full scale radio project again, I'd want it to be um, with one of the streaming companies. Um, so I think ideally to work with, with Apple um, on the Apple Music One radio station, or if Spotify go down that path, I think that's really where I want to kind of be because that's where the audience is. Mm. Really cool. And it's, and it's so nice that these days we can evolve our careers and we can change. And although it's the same kind of similar skill set, similar strengths, just putting it, your energy in a different place. I think that's really cool. So um, congrats on all the success. And I'm so excited to see where you go and, and where you take all of this. Because like I said, I mean, from where I was following you a year and a half ago to now, it's really been nice to watch you kind of grow into yourself and and grow into this direction and i think although i've been following silently from afar i think it's 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 been really nice and and that's the thing i love about socials and when people put things out there it's the fact that you can watch that grow and um go on the journey which i think is is really cool so if people want to follow nick all of his socials and info on project you will be all in the bio but your instagram's just nick kelly.mp3 it is i don't know why but... i love it i love it i think it's <laughs> well I, you know mp3 files are the most common form of uh music transfer um slightly less powerful than wav files but still very powerful and yeah and is this the part where I get to say thank you for such a thoughtful conversation? Because I, I, you've actually given me lots to take away and, and think about and to reflect on. And I'm going to put, you know, the self-care strategies that we talked about for about 15 minutes into practice and go for a walk right now. I, yeah, thank you very much for making me think and for giving me an opportunity to talk about me for a sec because, yeah, I, I, I have been talking about other people a lot on my socials and gassing up you know, folks that do incredible things. And I want to continue to do that. But I also, you know, I'm interesting, I think. <laughs> I, I think so too. And we're going to get into your challenge before we end up. But yes. I would love to, and I know this is me being a bit uh, annoying, but I, I would love to like challenge you to start sharing more of you and more of your story. Because I think, like you said, sometimes we underestimate how interesting we are or how much value we can provide. And if you're following someone like Gary Vee, you know, he always shares a lot of his own personal story and that's why we can relate and want to listen more from him. So I think it'd be really cool to, to hear and see more of that. Um, from I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And if I don't, if I haven't done anything personal in like the next two weeks, can you like, I'll hit you up. hundred percent. Oh, I'm real asshole when it comes to accountability. So <laughs> you're going to, you're going to, you're going to regret saying that. Cause I'll follow up. I'll be like, Hey mate, like what's happening here? <laughs> like, where is, where I is it? <laughs> I awesome. And you've got a challenge for, for all of the listeners now, don't you? I do. I want to challenge you this week to take a 30 minute walk, if you can walk, if you're able, without any stimulus. So no podcast, no music, no phone calls, Demi. <laughs> 30 minute walk with nothing in your ears, nothing in your hand. Leave your phone at home, focus on every like minute or so, focus on something different. So focus on a particular tree a particular dog you see, um, uh, a cloud of some sort. Come back after that 30 minutes and see how much different it feels. 
going for a walk without stimulus versus going for a walk with stimulus in your ears. I challenge you to do that over the next week and feel the benefits of it and maybe make that a part of your regular strategy. Oh, I'm like thinking of that and it's already like making me like resist straight away. Yeah, because I'm like, (laughs) seems, I know, like I always do the challenges because they're so good. Like it's always great afterwards, but, and there's a quote where it's like self-care is hard in the moment, but rewarding in the long term and self-sabotage is good in the moment and hurts you in the long term. Oh, I like that one. That's good. Yeah, it's good. (laughs) It's real. Thank you so much for for the challenge and thing. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. Thank you, Demi. You're incredible. And I really appreciate your time today um, talking to me as well. Thank you. Bye, Nick. Bye, Demi.